Welcome to the Cedar House Church Sermon of the Week. Our desire is to remain in God's presence, explore His passions, and supply tools that serve and inspire our city. So, I'm going to share something that kind of goes in that vein to start my message. So my, my mom made us read The Hiding Place growing up, Corey Ten Boom. So if anybody here is really empathetic, I'm gonna, I want to share something that I'd say should put you in a place of joy is not tied to happiness or a condition or comfort. It's something completely different, and it comes from a place of gratitude. And, and so if, you, if you're a highly empathetic person, just fair warning, like if, if as I share this story, it starts to bother you or hurt your spirit in any way, step out. Um, it's not too crazy, but I just felt like the Lord told me to share that. <sighs> but the heritage that our parents brought to us is one that was carried. There's a story of Jews that were packed into a cattle car. And I just want to share this. So if you can, I guess, picture this in your heart and your mind is a cattle car designed for animals. It's packed so tightly with humans that have been in a concentration camp for years. And they're so weak, they can't stand, but they're packed so tightly that everybody's able to stand for hours and for days. And they're in this cattle car and they're traveling and they have no idea where they're going. And in the story... They describe the smells and the feelings associated with that. And they come around a bend in the track, and someone starts crying out in worship. And they start screaming, there's no stack. There's no stack. And so the, the author goes on to share that everyone began rejoicing. And they sang and they sang, and when they got to the camp, they were taken out of the cars and they were lined up in this parade ground and they beat them to break their will and their spirit. They stripped them naked and, and they just praised into the night is what they said. They just kept praising. And the gravity of that story was that these are people that had endured so much hardship that the simple fact that there wasn't a crematorium to kill them, that they weren't at a death camp. That was, the, that was the celebration of their hearts and minds. And so I just, I present that to you. I present that to you just to set the tone of gratitude is what I would say is you have principles of Christianity, of the gospel, that beget. So something begets something else. And so when we look at gratitude, start with a... Uh, I guess the definition definition is the first and most important gratitude is that of salvation. We pr we praised it out this entire worship set. So we started with, I recognize that what was done for me cannot be done any other way, and I act from a place of gratitude for that, which then purchases eternal life for me. So we're redeemed by the cross, and we're sanctified over time through the Holy Spirit living out gratitude in our lives. So I know that's kind of heavy, um, and I, but I've, I, do, I do feel like there's so much power in recognizing that 
the blessings on our life far outweigh the bad. And if the story that I just shared can't bring you to a place of understanding the blessing on our lives, I don't, I, I, I just, I, I'm, the rest of my sermon is worthless. So what does that look like in reality? So I guess a, a couple of important definitions as we move forward because you can hear me use these words. So salvation. So these are working definitions. So the first and greatest manifestation of gratitude is your salvation. Second is worship and praise, and I love what Sharika shared. So to recognize the value of something or someone to the point of replication in your own life. So when I worship and praise, that's great by voice, but when I replicate those actions in my life, that's the highest praise. Next is prayer. So the act of communicating one's thoughts, feelings, and needs for the purpose of refinement of oneself, the betterment of another, or the expansion of the kingdom. So it doesn't have to be, and i just share this, prayer doesn't have to be this verbal thing, right? It can be meditation, can be working through our thoughts and feelings. The next one is repentance. And it, it's, for me, I love this. So we have so many paradigms that make it hard to live in gratitude because ideology, which is man's best attempt to explain what God did for us, ideology gets in the way of truth. And so what I felt like um, was so powerful when I was crying during worship and reflecting on the heritage that we have in this room is our parents broke off ideology and conveniently a very closely related word to ideology is idolatry. So if you look at the definition of ideology, it's a, gr it's a summarization or a summary of thoughts, beliefs, and feelings that point towards a truth. If you look at idolatry, it's taking a summary of things, thoughts, or feelings and elevating it above God. So what I'd encourage is the same thing Stacy's been speaking on for weeks before we prayed out and cried out for if we can't rely on the ideology that's gotten us here to move us forward, then what do we rely on? And for me, that's a heart posture of gratitude. Does that make sense? So repentance says change the way I think until I change the way I act. It's inviting God. Remember we said prayer, does, it's a dialogue, right? So it's inviting God into a dialogue so that he can change the way I think by elevating his thoughts, his ways. Your ways are higher than my ways until I change the way I act. And that's, the, that's a heart of repentance. It's not, woe is me, I'm so terrible. It's because I recognize what I do in my life is not good for me and others. I diminish what I do and I elevate a higher truth. And by doing that, it changes my life. So repentance is an, is an action, it's a discipline. Um, a guy named Epictetus, Epictetus, his name has epic in it. He says it's impossible for someone to learn something they already know. So think about the gravity of that. So when we're describing repentance, it's literally impossible to learn something that you already know. And so repentance says, this thing's not working. <laughs> something in my life's not working. I'm going to elevate, change the way I think until I change the way I act. Um, and then the last one is gratitude. So I prayed on this, prayed on this, prayed on this, and I said, what is gratitude? So I said, 
gratitude is the discipline of gratitude is a practice of searching for elevating and manifesting the good in every circumstance gratitude has the power to heal energize and change lives so let's start with what gratitude isn't and i'm gonna try and go quick because i know we went we went hard in the paint for worship um, and it was great. It's amazing. I don't know that we could set up better for this. So what gratitude isn't. So here's the thing we do in Christianity is we deny ourselves, right? It's a beautiful thing. But that doesn't mean it's the healthiest thing. So I'm going to start with what it's not. So what gratitude is not is denying that something bad is happening. Is that fair to say? Can anybody give me an amen? Who, who in their life has had somebody tell them as they're sharing something bad? They, they dismiss the bad. They dismiss the, f the feeling, the thought, the emotion, and they go straight to a higher truth. While that is true, gratitude is not denying the bad in a circumstance. Second thing is it's not ignoring the emotion that you have as a result of the bad that you want to deny. Make sense? And the third is it's not pretending. So everybody knows every story about you read you watch the movies what was that series when the tribulations that they put out left behind right like you're like terrible i've, I've I prayed the lord's prayer like 64 times during that series i was like i might be um but right so salvation is something that is a heart posture a heart attitude you can't pretend your way into salvation and there's a shift and there's a change so gratitude is not a way of thinking it's a discipline it's it's a discipline of repentance change the way i think until i change the way i act if i'm acting from a place of lack of gratitude then i have to go back to repentance and it becomes a, a cyclical act right so we we now know what it isn't so we're not going to pretend we're not going to ignore and we're not going to deny those are all words we're not going to use when we're doing this so what is gratitude so gratitude is one it's a discipline if anybody in here doesn't like that word, you mean you're not going to get along very well in life, I promise you. So discipline, discipline, discipline. Di so discipline equals freedom. So my favorite um, psychologist says, says opportunity, uh, opportunity lives where responsibility is abdicated. So opportunity, so discipline equals freedom. So when I choose to walk out of discipline in my life, the discipline, submitting and yielding myself to something higher and more powerful than me, produces freedom in my life. So by confining myself to what the Lord says is good, I open up freedom in my entire life. So what gratitude is, is the discipline where we see the good. First, we have to see the good. It doesn't matter the circumstance. You find the good. We, I'm going to go back to the original story. People were packed into a cattle car dying, standing up next to each other. And they saw the good. And the good in that circumstance was we're not being sent somewhere where they're going to kill us in mass. We might die one at a time. And they sang and they enjoyed it. They, they cried out in joy. They found enjoyment in anguish and in sorrow and in pain. So we see the good. We evaluate the gold. I've loved this language. I don't know where Landon stole it from. He's not smart enough to create it. But we enjoy the gold. We evaluate what is gold. So we see the good, and then we evaluate it. So something good that's not refined to gold is wasted. So let that sit. So we see the good. That's not enough. I can see gold in the side of a mountainside. 
That's great. I can celebrate that it's good. If I don't evaluate it, refine it, and turn it into gold, it's wasted. It's discarded. So the next thing is this. Once you've evaluated the gold, you replicate it in your life. So this is where it gets a little, like this is where I get jacked up. So y'all going to have to bear with me. During worship of the, the scripture, Sharika, what's the exact scripture of the rocks will cry out if we don't worship? Do you know that one off the top? That's just like, that's like the cry of Sharika's life. She's just walking around kicking rocks out of the way like, nope, you don't get to be here. I'm going to worship. So here's, where, here's what I, I, I loved prepping for this message, guys. We're in an age, that was the word of old. We're in an age that says this. If we as believers don't worship, the secular world will cry out. The secular world is finding more truth about Christianity through science and psychology and studies of the brain and every in, in the universe and creation. They are worshiping God better than we do. We don't have the patent on living as a Christian. And I, I say this is a challenge to you guys. Like The scientists are saying that gratitude is one of the most transformative things you can possibly do. Salvation. Science is saying right now that salvation is the most transformative discipline that you can possibly practice. It literally changes your mind. And they didn't come up with it through the gospel. These are non-Christians. They're just saying, hey, God said this is true. He did it through the word thousands of years ago before there was science or technology for it. And they're affirming the truth of what God said. And so I would say this is like if we, if we get too wrapped up in being Christians that separate ourselves from the world, we're in the world but not of the world, then we lose out on some of the gold. So just taking this, I'll just share this. So gratitude, it, it literally activates, when they, when they look in the brain, it activates the hypothalamus, which is the place where stress hormones are produced, dopamine, serotonin. So when you act in gratitude, you literally fight every other bad emotion in your body. Make sense? The other thing that it does is it goes into the intuitive part of your brain, so the, the interior lobe the temporal lobe, and it actually creates gray matter. They've studied people, thousands and thousands of people. They ask them to write a gratitude journal to live out life in a way that you constantly accept and identify gratitude in your life. And they literally looked at their brain and it transformed their mind. It created more dopamine and serotonin, which is great because that's what we take when, we're, when we need it, right, medically. And it went into the place in their brain the two places in their brain, specifically, one that is responsible for how you see the world, and it created more brain matter. So by living from a place of gratitude, you literally alter the way you see the world. And then the second part is it went into the part of the brain where you have planning and cognitive thought, strategic planning and cognitive thought. So it changes the way you see the world, and the way that you approach life. So when you read the word and you read about all the times that Jesus has said, take every thought, take, take every thought captive to Christ, right? We think about all the scripture that talks about how it's so important to be in control of our minds, our will, and our emotions, our actions, and our spirit yields. So the second part is this. 
the negative part of it is, or the negative part of emotion is depression and anxiety, literally that part of the brain when they study it, when you live in constant anxiety and depression, that part of your brain literally loses great matter. So your brain is becoming less capable and less efficient when you live in one place and in the other place just literally by recognizing the good in your life your brain becomes more positive so why is that I would say like why is that specifically important to us as believers why does it matter what a scientist says here's the thing is it affirms what God says does that make sense so why is it important because we what do we do all day what do you do the moment that y'all hit your shin and you get a bruise that's like slightly off colored and then you have a mole next to it and that mole looks a different color where do you where do you go right away on your phone you go to google and you're like okay cool i broke my leg there's bone marrow leaking into my mole you're on WebMD, and then now you have anxiety, so now you're on a website for that. You're trying to figure out what goat weed you're supposed to take. All of that is every one of our lives every day, but then we deny it, but then we, when we feel the need to say somehow it diminishes God's glory if I take something that man says that affirms who he is. So it's a stick. Hey, it's a slippery slope. It always has been right when we we want to be in the world but not out of the world and there's a lot of awesome powerful information available to us so um second corinthians 10 um i love i love 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 the scripture so it says for though we walk in the flesh we do not war according to the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses we are destroying speculation and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of god and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of christ so we're literally we're literally going to take and, and we, it says we weigh everything we bring everything back Every attack on the knowledge of God, we bring it all back and take it captive before Christ. And so, I, uh, I, I, you know, just trying to tie this all together, I said, I said, okay, cool. If gratitude is the, in my opinion, the root of salvation, so everyone here is literally going to live eternally from a place of realizing what Jesus did on the cross, what we cried out this whole service, that substitution that occurred. So, as I was praying this week, I, I literally pulled a couple of my friends. I'm like, man, how many times have you prayed the sinner's prayer? I don't know. I, I'll raise my hand and say 10 plus times at, at, in my life. And so, like, it, there's a little bit for me, if you think about it, like, when were you saved? I, I'm not sure. I still, every time I read Left Behind, I'm like, do we need to re-up? You know, let me just check back in. Um... So I said, man, who, who could be an authority on this? So I went on Billy Graham's website. I figured Billy Graham's crushing it. If there's anybody I can trust, I was like, let me jump on Billy Graham's website. That dude's been responsible for a lot of these people. Um, so look, so Billy Graham basically gave these different ways, and it comes from First John, so it's from Scripture, so that's good. Um, comes from First John, it's like, how do you know you're saved? And what he pretty much described is the process of sanctification, Okay, so what he says is that the first thing is when we know uh, that we know that we're saved and we're, that we know him, uppercase him, if we keep his commandments. So that's an action, right? So repentance, change the way I think until I change the way I act. If we love other people, 
Right, that was a good one. Now, it's not like love most other people. Or it's not love the lovable other people. It's literally love other people, which I don't know if y'all know this. That takes gratitude. For, like, I have to realize that I need to love other people because I'm not, like, I'm not super lovable myself a lot of times. So love for God, refusing the world, right? I'm not going to take part in what the world's doing. It's not, it doesn't, it literally doesn't fulfill me. Understanding biblical truth, so we actually have to get in this guy. We have to read it. We have to refine what we think, feel, and our heart is through reading this word, not ideology that someone else handed off to us. Now, is there great ideology that can support the refinement? Um, You know, the reality is it says that in Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. He was in the synagogue. He was teaching. He was studying. He was learning. He was learning from rabbis. So Paul, when he got when he had his, his conversion experience, he withdrew and he went and studied. Very important. So we don't want to dismiss all ideology, but we want to weigh it against the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, righteous behavior, opposition from the world. So here's an important one, opposition from the world. If we are getting along perfectly with the world, we're probably not doing a great job of being sanctified. Now, I want to say this. I, I would say this. I would say, our opposition shouldn't be the world doesn't like us. Jesus was a great example of this. Pontius Pilate didn't want to kill Jesus. Christians wanted to kill Jesus. Everybody else wanted to be around him. So that's a really important distinction here is like not we should be hated by the world, but what we do should be in conflict with what the world says is normal. Make sense? Um, and then the last one is answered prayer. So guys, if you go to pray and pray and pray and it's a single-sided dialogue and your prayers never get answered, that's probably a good sign that you're not doing the act of repentance, which is, hey, God, I'm inviting you to a dialogue where I'm asking you to change the way I think until I change the way that I act. And that act can also be what I'm asking for. Make sense? So if I go and I say, here's what I need um, to the maker of the universe, he might oftentimes not give you what you need because it's not what you need because we're, we got about as figured out as this stand in front of me, right? It's like we don't really have this thing figured out. So I'd say the, the main scripture I wanted to talk about, I guess, in, in just as we're kind of processing through this is like, so in Romans it says, Romans 5 says, not only so, but we, we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope, and hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. This is in Romans. So I'd say that the, the main point, and I guess as we, as we kind of do this, and what I would say is this, is if you're living life from a place of gratitude, I would imagine that the byproduct of that is people will want to be around you. So a natural consequence of finding the good, evaluating the gold, and replicating the good thing in every circumstance is that you're generally going to be a person people want to be around. Is that fair to say? I'm, I'm not, I'm, I, hit me if I'm wrong. The reality is this, that it should produce a byproduct of gratitude in your life to where people see that there's something different about you that despite your circumstance, you're not lost. Make sense? So that's the first thing. And so what that actually 
to me, it comes all the way back to, to the gospel, to salvation. If I believe that what was purchased for me opens up access to everything on heaven and, and on earth, when I'm confronted with a hard circumstance, I can choose gratitude. So let's, let's swing right there, and I'd say, like, wh- well, what does it actually do? Why, why does me having gratitude actually change something? So what I would say is this, is going all the way back to the beginning in the garden, Adam and Eve started to believe that God wasn't who he said he was. And they started to be, instead of God conscious, they became self-conscious. So imagine the garden at the beginning, Adam is literally like, oh my gosh, snozzberries, oh these are delicious. Everything was new. Everything was exciting. There was gratitude for everything. Imagine the amount of gratitude. You're like, you're literally one-to-one with God. He's providing everything you need. You're co-laboring, and there's all of this. And then something creeps, some, something creeps in to say, is God who he said he is? And then I become self-conscious and self-focused. So what happened is, with the fall, what we do is our lens on life shifts uh, my man is in the Batteries Place Academy over here, crushing it. Um, so, in in the academy, they used to say you learn three ways. When I was a policeman, pain, repetition, and choice. Psychology is pretty much confirmed. You don't learn anything when life is good. You rarely learn a single thing. The human brain is so complex that when things are as they should be, you literally completely discard it. Thinking the power of that. So remember what we said about Mr. Epic, Epictetus. Literally, it's impossible to learn something you already know because the efficiency of the brain is to take and discard something that is um, that is not a threat. The opposite of discarding anything that's not a threat, which is basically living in in a negative perspective. If I walk through life looking for every single thing that's going to make me miserable, hurt me, kill me, harm me, I'm literally walking through life looking for the bad. But when the bad presents itself, if I take and weigh it, so picture the scale of justice, I weigh it against a, a attitude of gratitude, preacher, uh, an attitude of bra- gratitude. If I weigh it against it on the scales and I go, is this as bad as I think it is? I would encourage you the majority of the time you'll be humbled with the idea that this current circumstance is not as bad as I think it is. And you can't learn unless you walk out a discipline of gratitude. You can't, you literally, I'm telling you guys scientifically, unless you, by choice, you cannot learn from a circumstance that's good unless you start to rewire your brain to look for the good. Because you're hardwired as a result of the fall to look for the bad, to look for the thing that harms you, hurts you, or ruins your day. So what the discipline of gratitude does is it takes and it says, I'm not going to wait for the bad to happen. I'm going to start to reprogram. When a bad thing happens, I'm not going to ignore. I'm not going to dismiss it. I'm going to feel it. But I'm going to go, wait a minute. I'm going to weigh this against a higher truth, which is salvation. And I'm going to weigh, is this current circumstance as bad as it feels right now? And I promise you, when you start to do that, it starts to change the way you think. 
and I'll share an example. My son Lincoln, uh, y'all probably know him, a lot of folks in here. So he's, he's a little rowdy. So he doesn't take a medicine at night. He has like a coma cocktail that if he doesn't take it, he's not going to sleep. My dude is just getting it. Like 3.30 in the morning, he's still after it. He actually gets more energy. So like the last couple of months, he has like still asleep. Come to, he comes to my room. He drinks water every night. He puts his water. It's like a routine, but he's, I'm pretty sure he's not awake. Either that or he's like, he's really got me figured out. But at first, it was like, man, I was, I was literally would get so angry that he was in my room because I'm tired. It's middle of the night. And then as I, as I started to think about what I was getting, it's like my son was leaving his bed and going to the safest place he could find to be as close as the safest person as possible. And he would lay in bed and he would cuddle me. And all of a sudden, my mind frame shifted from this is the worst, most inconvenient thing and I'm going to have a horrible day tomorrow and I'm not going to sleep. But that is the highest truth because what we're looking at is the threat. We're hardwired. And this is the most important thing I want to share is you're literally hardwired to go, this is bad because it's going to impact my day tomorrow. This dude doesn't even know what planet he is on, much less am I doing anything for him. I could put him on the roof. Somehow he figures out how to get back down. We're not even in our house. He has this weird sense. We're like spending the night out of town. He can still find me. It's pitch black. I don't, anyway, but what it did, and, and guys, it, it literally hit me when all of a sudden my heart posture when he snuggled up next to me was one of thankfulness. Because gratitude, when you start to manifest it and it starts to replicate in your life, it becomes thankfulness. And so, like, all of a sudden, what shifted was every time that he came and got in bed with me and he snuggled me, I operated from a place of gratitude instead of seeing the bad. And then uh, the Holy Spirit loves me. He started getting in my bed and a little further away. I don't know. I may have pushed him a couple times. But what's different, though, is my sleep was good. I like went back to sleep. I wasn't angry or frustrated. And so what to say is like for me, I release dopamine, serotonin in the natural, scientifically, by posturing my heart with, with gratitude. And then one more thing before we kind of close out and we'll kind of run through a couple disciplines would be another thing that I would share for like anybody in here been married in a relationship, has children. Everybody raise your hand. Uh other people are really inconvenient to be around. I don't know if y'all know that. If anybody's got the memo, but like when you're with another person, it's not very convenient. You have to like actually account for their thoughts and feelings and emotions. Um, here's the thing, and this is something that hit me, and I just want to share this with you. If if another person is different than you, everybody, they're gonna have something different about them that's gold that you can't see if it's not your gold. You, what you see as, what you see as gold is X. What they see as gold is X. You're hardwired as a result of the fall if you don't live out sanctification through gratitude from salvation. You're hardwired to not see what they're doing as gold. And so then you will not replicate it in your life, which doesn't affirm their love language, which makes your life harder, and then you don't get better at the thing that they do because you can't see it as good. So you're not going to do it because it doesn't do it doesn't mark anything in your brain to say this is a good activity. I I mean like I think that's like 
23 years of marriage counseling all in one <laughs> sentence. I'm just living vicariously through talking to my parents <laughs> who did a great job <laughs> of uh, relaying these things. But, but guys, like literally that's the power of gratitude is we start to literally say, I'm not going to concentrate on this stimulus and I'm not going to give this stimulus a value. I'm going to weigh it against. I'm going to put it on the scale of justice lady with two arms and I'm going to weigh my bo- how much I'm bothered by this thing in my life against something higher in truth and it will always do this right it's almost never you're almost always going to find some higher measure of truth when we operate from gratitude because we're living out a higher level of life for ourselves so in 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 closing I wanted to um I wanted to share this so put put that up there so what we talked about earlier so see the good evaluate the gold and replicate it in your life so remembering this so when we say see the gold it means that despite the circumstance now i'm not saying in the moment in the heat of the moment guys like let's be honest there's very little gold seeing in the middle of stressful tense situations that suck okay like i'm not disagreeing with that but but what we do is we review it after and then we set ourselves that the next time we encounter that we're able to see the gold because we've we've marked it in our mind as gold make sense so i don't do it for this time i do it for every time thereafter which is the beauty of the definition of sanctification right it's moving us across time to be through the power of the holy spirit changing our thoughts will emotions actions to become refined and more like christ it's like we do that every day and with some inten- intentionality, we can be more efficient at it. So the last thing I want to share is, so uh, Carl Jung said this. He says, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. So you're already doing these things. So until you make the unconscious conscious, until we give language to action, it will carry out and run your life and you'll call it fate or whatever, you know, predestination, whatever it is. So there's power in prayer and in inviting God into a dialogue and, and in repentance to say, change the way I think until I change the way I act. And in gratitude, which is the basis of our salvation, which is literally going back to the beginning. If you can put that, that back up, and I want to leave it up there while we pray. But gratitude is... The, the discipline or the practice of searching for, elevating, and manifesting the good in every circumstance. And it literally, salvation, same, same definition for me, has the power to heal, energize, and change lives. So, Ms. Mary Beth, you coming up? Who's, who's singing at the end? I love it. Good fair warning, huh? So Mary Beth's going to come up. What I would encourage guys, so think about this for me, and I'm going to pray at the end, and I want to pray through this. I know I ran through that, and there's a lot of information. We kind of ran downhill. Uh, what I'd like to do is while we're praying, I want everybody to close your eyes and then turn to a place of worship. And, then, and what I would ask specifically is to invite the Holy Spirit into your thoughts, into your mind, your will, and your emotions, and then ask him what is one place that you're operating in the negative specifically in your life one place and everybody kind of has that one place i mean i know i have mine and ask god 
to start the process through this through this worship moment start the process of identifying how what does gratitude in that circumstance look like so remember the story we started with a cattle car a seen death horrible experience despite all of that when they turned the corner and saw that not everybody was going there to die there was joy in the face of that and so what i would say is like the only to not get too lost in the science and the ideology and the psychology but to invite the holy spirit into your thoughts to make it a dialogue and to say what is your thought on this when you see this bad thing happening in my life what good can come from it what good do i need to replicate what thing got me here so just father we just ask that you come right now first and foremost father we just ask that the heritage that we received from those generations before us we just speak it right now over us we speak the blessings of the generations before over us right now i just declare that what was broken off by the parents by the generation before us is not allowed to take hold of us we speak freedom in our thoughts and in our hearts and father specifically and as we go into our memories and we find the place the thorn where we operate and our default mechanism is to protect ourselves is to put up a wall or a guard is to see the negative we just invite you to that place it might be today it might be in 3 weeks it might be in 3 years we give you permission to begin to transform that place in our heart and our mind father we just declare that we will live a life that is rooted in a discipline of gratitude reminded of the song at the beginning we're crying out that your fire would burn father there's a, a refinement that happens when we come before you father i declare for everybody in this room that the kids that were up here earlier they warrant they value and they are worthy of us pressing in and i just say right now i will fight 
I will fight and I will break off everything I can so that my kids can have a greater measure of life. I will honor the sacrifice of the generations before me. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I just declare inheritance over everyone in this room. That we will be known as a people who seek to live life in a way that finds the good, that refines the gold, and that shares it with the world. For this in Jesus' name. Amen. That's it. All right, I'm going to dismiss everybody because <laughs> we didn't talk about it before. So just transition, guys. Hey, love on somebody today. Um, just uh, if y'all have any questions, I, I know we ran downhill on a steam engine real fast. But, um, hey, l- let that stuff sink in. Let it let it uh, manifest your life this week. Talk to someone about it. Make a, make a verbal dialogue over gratefulness this week. Add it to your vocabulary, and it will... Uh, continue to resonate in your thoughts. So thank you all, guys. Visit with somebody out front. I know we have a place to visit. Love on somebody. This is the community. This is what we're here for. And uh, y'all have a great week. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit cedarhousechurch.com.